0: Good morning. It's good to have you here uh, with us today at Calvary. We uh, we've been uh, reflecting on the, the beauty of God and how that last week's car show uh, we had uh, 44 cars here, uh, 165 people raised over a thousand dollars for for uh, Speed Light Mission's giving of the youth, and so it was a great day. Today is a great day, and we're just thrilled that you're here. So this this week will be the introduction to fall. And the preacher's wife wanted a new dress. She didn't tell her husband about it. She just went and bought a new dress, and she just hung it up in the house. And he came in and saw it and saw the price tag and said, "Well, my wife is very thrifty. She must have gotten that at least fifty percent off." And uh, she said, how do you like my dress? He says, well, it's a nice dress, but I noticed the price tag. He said, I'm hoping you got that on sale. He said, that that price tag says $250 on that. And you know we don't have $250. She said, but honey, it's such a pretty dress. And it's my color. It looks good on me. he says, but honey, $250 is just way too much money. She said, well, I spent it. And I got a beautiful dress. He said, when you were trying it on, he said, why why did you just let the temptation overpower you? Why didn't you just say, devil, get thee behind me? She said, I did. And all of a sudden I heard this voice. It looks good from back here too. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 5. I know I've shared that before, but it still still just resounds as just one of the greatest ever, especially if you're married and have to put up with... No, I mean, you know, whatever. Let's move on. James chapter 5. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotten, and the moths has eaten your clothes. Your gold and your silver are corroded, Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields were crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who are not opposing you. Wow. Not all rich people have a problem with money. It's the people that think they're rich is the people that have problems with money. The Truly the rich people, you know most millionaires drive Mercedes-Benz, it's, they buy it when it's two or three years old. Some people that are the wealthiest live the most frugal lives, and part of the reason why they're wealthy is because they've lived frugal lives. But it's those who, who think they're rich put on the show. And, and the scripture is talking about the rich that are all about themselves. When you are all about yourself, you get into this trap of, I have to have money. To live only to get wealth is to rob yourself of true riches. Just to live to get money and to put stuff in storage, it is robbing yourself of true riches. It is amazing to me how people get so strung up trying to figure out how to get ahead in life. And the scriptures are are very clear about money. I very seldom preach about tithing because I, I feel that it is a personal thing that whenever people get saved, and if I can keep them in the Word, keep them praying, God will take care of the conviction on the finances. But I also have to be true with the fact that when you talk about possessions, you talk about money, you talk about prosperity, you talk about wealth, there's 2,300 verses of Scripture throughout the Scriptures that talk about those very things. Jesus spoke about money 15% of his preaching time, and 11 of the 39 parables is about possessions, money, wealth. And so the reason why Jesus talked about it is because it's a part of our life. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, um, uh, It it is interesting to see how that different scripture speaks differently and how it gives us direction. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. I've seen the funeral procession with the hearse and the large U-Haul trailer behind it. It don't matter how many U-Haul trucks you have in the procession to go onto the graveside, you're not taking it with you. And everyone said, amen. It's going to stay here. But if you have food and clothing, we will be content with that. If you have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and in many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money... It, money's not the problem. It's the overpowering love. The love for money is a route to all kinds of evil. When you love, 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 love to get rich, you love, love, love wealth, it will lead you to do things you wouldn't normally do. Some people eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So it's wonderful to have your needs met. But when you are indulging in stuff just for yourself, you know, God doesn't like it. And we need to recognize how important it is to, to love God. Matthew's Gospel shares a thought on it in chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. People say, I would just love to have a million dollars. I would just love for somebody to come up and give me a million dollars. Do you know what a million dollars would do for you? It really depends on how you use it. But a million dollars has a million dollars' worth of problems. Where are you going to keep that money? How are you going to keep it secure? Are you going to stay awake all night wondering if somebody's going to steal it? Where, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what do you treasure in life? But store for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and death does not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So why does God allow us to obtain wealth? It's all about priorities. It's all about priorities. I don't know about you, but I I learned early on, if, if I gave 10 cents out of the first dollar I made, I had 90 cents left. Now, that's pretty good odds. But I didn't have 90 cents left. I had 90 cents left plus the blessings of the Lord because I had taken care of what God had required me to do. And so when you have the blessings of the Lord alongside of the 90%, it goes way further than 10% you gave up. And I challenge you that God has never been a God who says, you give and I will hoard it, and I won't bless you back. That's the whole principle. You give and you're blessed back. You give. You say, Well, well that that's just, you know, that's just a get rich scheme for the church, Pastor. Read the word. The word says if you want your sins forgiven, you must forgive those who have trespassed against you. It's a principle of giving and getting. If you forgive others, God can forgive you. But you hold a grudge. What do you think God's going to do? He's, he's not going to hear your prayers. God doesn't deal with people that are in sin. He deals with people who are saved. You'll say, He doesn't deal with people. Well, you know, heartache will come their way. But heartache comes to all people who live. But the difference is is that when Christ is in your heart, he helps you get through the difficult times. What are your priorities in life? God knows that you have a need. God knows that you have a need. He created you with needs. And some of you are saying, yeah, and some of us are needier than others. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life what you shall eat or drink or about your body what you will wear she loved that dress for 250 dollars pastor was pretty upset we don't we don't need to worry about this stuff god said i'll take care of you is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your Father, yes, your Heavenly Father, feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Sparrows are awesome. What of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? It's not going to happen. We can fuss, we can worry, it doesn't change. And why do you worry about clothes and see how the lilies of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Fall is a difficult time because a lot of the flowers are drying up and dying and going away, leaves are beginning to fall. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Heavenly Father knows. Say it with me. Heavenly Father knows. Say it again. Heavenly Father knows. Sometimes we think we're all alone, but our Heavenly Father knows what we have need of. Stop worrying. Well, Pastor, that's really easy for you to say. It is. But it's the Word. The Word is permanent. The word stands forever. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own, and I need to hear a good amen on it. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Can I hear an amen? God has the grace to get us through the troubles of the day. God has enough grace to get us through the troubles of the day. Do not allow fear and anxiety overpower you. God's word says, cast your anxiety upon me, and I care for you. God cares for us. What is our priorities? Our priorities is our faith is in the word of God. Our faith is in God himself. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our faith is in the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within the Word, lives inside of me. I speak in a prayer language. I have direct communication with heaven, and God is there for me. And besides, your days are ordained of God. America is totally consumed with COVID nineteen. COVID destroyed All these are ordered by God. You see, but, but lots of people died of it, yeah? They had heart conditions, they had diabetes, right. they had other conditions. Right. And There's a whole lot of people that's had it and lived. Yeah. And there's people that's still having conditions because their hearts was, and their and their lungs were compromised before it and this this added to it. But your days are ordered by God, not by any medical team. Your days are ordered by God. Your days are ordered by God. What are you doing with your day? Have you lived this day? Have you lived this day to the fullest? That when you lay your head on the pillow, you can say, to lay your head on the pillow tonight, you can say, I have no regrets. That's part of the problem in America. We're slackers. We've gotten this thing called the union, which has been great because it saved lives in the early days. But in the latter days, the unions became uh, heavy on the top, if you know what I mean. And it taught people to be slackers. And a new guy would come on the job, and he would pull his weight and some others, and they'd say, hey, quit working so hard. You're making me look bad. Well, why don't you work alongside him me and get this thing done? God calls us to be servants of His, And we work to please God, not the union. We work to please God, not the boss. We work to please God, and God will take care of us. God will take care of us. But we must, we must live our life to the fullest every day, reading the Word, every day praying, every day seeking the Holy Spirit, desiring what are our priorities. In these last days, before the coming of the Lord, What does God want from our lives? What does God want? He wants us to trust Him. To simply to trust What are our priorities? Are we trusting God? Are we desiring to allow Him to have control of our checkbook? If He don't have control of your checkbook, I've got news for you. He doesn't have control of your heart. And if He doesn't have control of your heart, somebody else does and heaven's probably not going to be yours. So it's important that we have priorities, that we set our priorities really, really high, and say, God, I want to live my life today that when I lay my head on the pillow, I have no regrets. That I have shared my faith with others. That others have seen Christ in me. People know I'm living for God because of the way I dress, the way I walk, the way I talk, and the things I do. The kindness that I share to people that don't deserve kindness. The person who is running down the highway trying to get ahead of everybody else. And he's making you angry. They're shutting it down to one lane, and there's three lanes trying to get through, and here's this jerk going 80 miles an hour over on the berm trying to get ahead of everybody. So you got a choice here. You can either block him, force him to stop and set on the side, or you can let him in. Does he deserve to be let in? No! But if you let him in, you've done everything you can to share kindness. But he don't deserve it. Do you deserve forgiveness from God for the sins you've committed? No. We need to be kind. We need to be kind. We can be kinder. Quit saying no me and say amen. We can be kinder. If we put our mind to it, if we put our mind to it, priorities is so so vitally important. Priorities are so vitally important. Chapter 5 of James verse 7. Be patient. Be patient. But we live in America. We have microwaves. We have computers with tremendous programs and games on the computers and we have all kinds of time saving devices. I mean, we even got automatic cars. We've got automatic washers. We've got automatic dishwashers. How lazy can you get? Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the father see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience In the face of suffering, take the prophet who spoke in the name of the Lord, and you know we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job, perseverance, and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy above all, my brothers. Do not swear, not by heaven or by earth, or by anything else. Let your yes be yes, and your no, no, or you will be condemned. Be patient. Be patient. Be patient. This is the prime season. We're almost out of the prime season of planting Grass seed. Now, I know you came to church just to hear about how to plant grass seed. I had a handful of grass seed that I had saved, and I forgot, and I left it in a very hot porch area. It's 110. I consider that hot. And I thought, okay, I've left that seed there for three months. I totally forgot I had it there. I don't know if it's going to work or not. Ten days ago I threw it out in some bare spots and this morning I went out in the yard and I walked through the yard and I began to see little blades of grass coming up. I was amazed. I really didn't think the seed was alive. I thought it was dead. But for grass, you've got to be patient. You plant the seed, you water it, you water it, you water it. This, I didn't even water. And you know we haven't had rain in seven days. I mean, it's unbelievable. I I, I was shocked to see It coming up. But it takes patience to grow anything. This past year with the pandemic, people were off work. They ran to the nurseries, bought all of these plants. And when I went at the normal time to buy plants, they was on their third round of plants. And the plants were lousy because everybody bought them early. And they told them, it's too early to put them in the ground. The ground is not warm enough. Do not plant them. They went home and they said, those people at the nursery, they don't know what they're talking about. It's warm out here. I'm planting. They did. And four weeks later, they came back to the nursery and bought again because the plants died out because it wasn't the proper time to plant. But when it's the proper time to plant and you plant, you have to be patient. Ninety days is a long time to look at a tomato plant to get a tomato. I mean, after all, we live in America. It's a whole lot easier to walk in the grocery store, pick up a tomato, and take it home. Now, it don't taste like a tomato. It barely looks like a tomato compared to the ones that you grow at your own house. But patience. God is calling us to be patient, stand firm, because the Lord is at the door. We've got to be patient and know that Jesus is coming back. The rapture is near. You'll say, yes, we know because earthquakes are increasing, the storms are increasing, California's burning down, and the South is flooding. No, that's just a reoccurrence of history. And when you look at the scriptures, when it says increase of of earthquakes, look at the true definition of what it's looking for, and it's saying earthquakes will be happening in places that was never estimated to ever happen. Are we having more earthquakes? No, we've just got better equipment and we're picking up more of them. We're still at the same basic run of earthquakes, but it still tells us that the return of Christ is near because the earth is groaning. People are recognizing the fact there is so much hatred in the world that we can see that the return of Christ is coming just by the attitude of man. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged, and the judge is standing at the door. Jesus is about ready to come. Does he know? No. Only the Father knows. So quit trying to figure it out. I do have a little bit of assumption, though. Whatever time it's going to happen, it's going to happen on the Jewish calendar. And if it doesn't happen on the Jewish calendar, it will be the first time in history that God didn't choose to use the Jewish calendar to things happen on. Just a thought. Just a thought. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophet, take Job. Job. I mean, here he is. He's partying. He's having a great time. And they said, "Hey, by the way, Job." He said, uh, "You know, the roof just fell on your family, and they're all dead. All of them? Yeah. And oh, by the way, you know, all your crops have failed. And 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 by the way, the the barn burnt down with the granary and all the hay in it. And and guess what? You know." There was a storm came by, and all your cattle's gone. And, 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 oh, yeah, your sheep, totally gone. Job's saying, you mean I don't have a family? I don't have a herd of sheep? I don't, I don't have a herd of cattle? I don't have oxen? I, I don't have camels? I don't have horses? I had all this, stuff. I had everything. I had everything. Lesson here, Folks. You can be sitting here today and you can say, I have everything. But it can all be gone in a snap of a finger. In a snap of a finger. And if you don't believe me, ask some folks in California if their house burnt to the ground and everything in it's gone. We're having a, a, an awesome upsale in houses. Lake of the Ozarks, 11% increase in the value of a house in one year's time. That's ridiculous. If you remember back 2008, real estate dropped 25% overnight. Overnight. We cannot put our trust in our checkbook and on our valuables. They can be gone in an instant. It's your heart that's important. What's in your heart? If God is in your heart, that stuff can all come back. And Job's statement was this, though he slay me, I will serve him. Though he slay me, I will... Though he slay me, God take my life and in my last breath I'm going to give you praise. Now that's when you know your heart's right, when everything else is gone and you're just... and sores are coming out of your body and he's taking broken pottery, probably from his own house, and he's scraping the sores, trying to get relief. He's in pain, he's in horrible pain... And people's coming to him and saying, Well, Job, just repent. Job hadn't done anything. It was God's testing to see if he would stay true. God tests us to say, see if we'll stay true. We need to take on the attitude of Job. Though you slay me, I will serve you because there is a payday. And it's not a candy bar. Job. Receive double of everything that he ever had in life. And live to enjoy three and fourth generation of children. It's so important that we recognize it's not what we go through. It's how we go through it. Let me say that again. It's not important what you're going through. What's important is how you go through it. Every day is another day to give God praise. Every day is another day to give God praise. Every day is another day to give God praise. And when you raise your hands, there's a scripture in Psalms that says, when you raise your hands, it's equivalent to the evening sacrifice. I had the privilege to work at Fred Knox's slaughterhouse. Fred worked with my dad, and Fred said, you know what, price of meat's high, I love working with meat. I'm going to build a slaughterhouse. And he built a slaughterhouse out behind his house. And he did that for a side job, and then finally he took over, and we did it full time. And I had an opportunity to work for him. And believe me, it's a whole lot easier to raise your hands and give God praise than it is to take a cow or a lamb or a sheep and cut it up and put it on fire as an evening sacrifice for sins, an evening offering to God. This is a whole lot easier, folks. I've watched the slaughtering process. I know that hamburger didn't come from the grocery store. It comes from the slaughterhouse. Yeah, there's some people that still think that hamburger just comes from the grocery store. They don't even realize, you know, we're not going to go there. The plan is is that God wants us to have priorities right. And he wants us to be patient. That he will provide for us in his time. And we must recognize the fact that everything we have is because he's allowed us to have it. And we need to give him praise. And if we can share what we have, God can be pleased. But if we hoard it, it will it will become moldy it will become corrosive it will not be of any value so whatever god has put in your heart share praise unto god and know that no matter what happens no matter what you gain in life or what you lose in life if you will praise god and seek his face he will bless you he will bless you he will bless you cast your anxiety upon him for he cares for you it's not what you're going through, but how you're going through it. Are you giving God praise in spite of the difficulty? Are you recognizing the fact that God has a joy for you that's down deep in your heart? He wants to give you the oil of gladness. He wants to pour that joy into your spirit, even though you've lost stuff around you. You may have lost relationships. You may have lost the economy. It doesn't matter what you've lost. It, what matters is, is how you take it through your heart. And how that you give God praise, no matter how mad it hurts, you give God praise, and He will receive praise, and He will bless you in the process of recovery. Shall we pray? Father God, thank You that we must have priorities correct, and we must have the ability to have patience. And God, You allow difficult things to come through our lives to test us. And Lord, Job went through it. I mean, lost everything. But he said, though he slay me, yet I'll serve him. And Lord, help us to give you praise when things aren't going right. Lord, help us not to murmur and complain to one another. Help us to give you praise and know, God, that if we'll seek your face, you will work out all things for your glory. And Lord, we do cast our anxiety upon you, for you careth for us. And Lord, if we will simply just let you be God, you know what tomorrow holds. Because God, our days are written in the book. We don't necessarily know the days, but you know the days. And you know when it's going to be our time to leave this earth. And so God, we say thank you. Thank you for another day. And may we live this day to the fullest of God's intent for us. May we ask God to guide our day on a daily basis. And may when we lay our head down at night say, God, I have no regrets. Thank you for walking with me this day. Lord, I invite you to walk with me throughout this day. And Lord, help me not to miss any opportunity to share your love with someone else. Help me, Lord, to be kind. Help me, Lord, to be the person you want me to be and to love people the way Christ loved people. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done and what you're going to do. Help us, Lord, to surrender our will to you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.